welcome back to 20s Toolkit. Um, today we have my brother and sister-in-law mm. on the podcast, Michaela and George. <laughs> Hi guys. Thanks for having us. Um, we're talking about travelling today. So Michaela and George are actually at the end of their travels. Um, they've been to Southeast Asia, New Zealand, Australia. Yeah. Tell me if I've missed anywhere. I'm sure we're going to cover it. Japan. Japan. Lots of other areas. And now they're making their way home. Um, so they've stopped to see us in Dubai. Um, and I thought it would be a good opportunity to speak to them about their travels, what they've done before, how they've prepared for it, etc. We've got lots of different questions for them. Because um, I think there's a lot of people out there in their 20s that want to go travelling. Um, and yeah, we can try and cover all the bases. Um, so we're just going to start, go straight into it. Um, what made you decide to go travelling? Uh, I think firstly you've got to sit a pretty vulnerable stage because it's a week today and you go home, so <laughs> it's a bit emotional. Um, uh, what made us think about going? I, I think, think we both knew that we we always spoke about wanting to go travelling, so it's something we were always in sync on. Yeah. It was just when we wanted to go travelling. Sorry if you can hear a crying child or banging in the background. There's lots going on. <laughs> we're actually doing this in the construction site. Yeah, I think, I don't know, we both got to the points in our career where we'd built up a pretty solid foundation, we'd been in our respective industries for a long time, and I think we just wanted to break the mould, to be honest, didn't we? Yeah, you, George was ready to go travelling before I was, and for me it all came down to just that simple concept of missing home, um, but the more we kind of spoke to people about it, you know, if you go travelling, it doesn't matter when you go, you're always going to miss home, that's, like, that's never going to change. So I think you kind of pushed me to do it, which is good because I guess, you know, you have that, we push each other in different aspects. So yeah, just took the plunge. We both, like George had been working a bit longer in his industry, um, but we Do you think you get to a certain point, it might not necessarily be career focused, but where you just want to do something completely different? Yeah. I think specifically for me, I bounced around companies a couple of times, same industry. I absolutely loved everything, but there was just still... So itch that I feel like I needed to to get out of my system and I feel like especially for us two we didn't go to university it was pretty much straight into the working world so although we obviously had a lot of fun along the way jumping straight into relatively serious and corporate careers to a certain extent it was nice just to, to break free and I feel like I mean we've spoken about this quite a lot it's so easy to get caught up in day-to-day societal yeah. issues how, yeah, exactly. How you feel like you should be doing things. And I think for me, I've, I've been in the, at the same company since I finished what, like my, my A-levels, um, so nearly six years. And naturally it was the next, it was the right time to have a change. And yeah. that would have been either getting a new job somewhere else or for us it ended up being travelling. It was like that natural gap where it was yeah. time to change. Yeah. So it fit, fit us both perfectly in the end. Yeah, and I don't, we weren't unhappy at all. Like we loved our jobs had such a good social network but I feel like when you know you want to do something different the best way to do that is just completely change your environment yeah obviously traveling is like one end of the spectrum of that and we just completely went for it but I mean we definitely don't regret it do we oh my goodness no it's the, it's I think we can both say it's the best thing we've ever done in our lives yeah exactly so. we'll go through the highs soon as high as high the next question was how did you decide where to go? 
We haven't e- I just thought we haven't even said how old you were when you left. Oh, yeah. Um, tw- we're both 24. Both 24. My birthday was in August, turned 25. And then I'll still be 24. Still 24. <laughs> By the time we get home. So. Okay, just a bit of context. Um, how did you decide where to go? Uh, good question. We so, compromised. Yeah, we compromised and done what Michaela wanted. So I wanted to do <laughs> South, South America. Yeah. Spoke to so many people. They said, just do it. They yeah. said, there might be a slight language barrier. Um, but in the end, Michaela wanted to... I think the thing with South America is a lot of people say that it can be quite dangerous to a certain extent. If Especially you your first time backpacking when, when you've not done any foreign backpacking before. Yeah. If you don't necessarily know the places or are well-versed on all things travelling, then I think it could be quite a big jump. Uh, yeah, and I think when I, I don't know, like, I don't know why, but when I decided I wanted to go travelling for me, it just, it made sense to get to, like, the furthest point possible. Yeah. Home. So, doing Australia and New Zealand, it felt like you couldn't have got much further. Yeah. Like, that was, like, real travelling. And then, like, Southeast Asia, you hear so many people say how how safe it is to travel, how yeah. amazing it is, like, the culture's obviously so different to home, but they have a better grasp of English, so you can yeah. just travel around with ease. Um, and I do think, although naturally there are certain like sketchy moments just because you're uncomfortable, and yeah. you're completely new to certain scenarios, but generally speaking, I actually felt more safe around most of Southeast Asia than you do in parts, in parts of the UK and London a lot of the time. I feel like a lot of that's culture-driven, culture though, like the, yeah. the Thai, the Vietnamese... Cambodia, Lao, all of them were just so friendly, so accommodating, where they rely so heavily on tourism. Yeah, yeah. they are so lovely. Really Life's a lot slower there, isn't it, as well? Yeah. People are happier with less and yeah, they're so accommodating. They want you to be comfortable. Like they could, you know, they could, they couldn't do more for you, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. But yeah, that was pretty much how we decided. And then we knew we wanted to do Australia. Um, we weren't actually going to do New Zealand, but then people had said like not getting that close, like it would, it would be a way to. Yeah, I don't know why we weren't going to do New Zealand. Well, probably like come later in the conversation, but all to do with money, yeah. time, and all those things you have to think about when you're planning. But we're so glad we did it. Yeah, um, we would have liked to have done longer because we only did two weeks, but two weeks definitely was enough to get a really good feel, a feel for it. it. Yeah, yeah. I mean a lot been... of the Southeast Asian countries, you've got four countries that are all paired together so yeah. Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia and Laos basically sit within a cluster yeah. you can travel around them with ease it's really easy to get around yeah um, and then you really wanted to do Japan and then Japan that was non-negotiable for me I've spoken to so many people and I think that's probably actually one of my favourite spots but again we can touch on that later yeah I would love to go to Japan yeah. yeah it's a pretty serious place amazing and then um, yeah then obviously for us coming home obviously seeing Libby and Charlie and Ez was like the perfect route home yeah and then we've just got a couple of stops in europe i think just to ease ourselves back into actually getting into it slightly rogue route back isn't it but but it's what it makes sense yeah it makes yeah. sense so so yeah that's kind of how we decided but i think you know we'd love to do south america that's on our list we'd love to do canada but i think for anybody that's considering traveling for the first time looking at australia and at southeast asia i think it's yeah. just a really good place to start I feel like when you go to Australia, culturally, it's not too dissimilar to the UK. Yeah. So that's like a good starting point. You're obviously away from home, which is a big thing. You're not living your day-to-day life on autopilot, so you're having to consume new things. But then all of a sudden, you throw into a completely different culture. I feel like that's when travelling really began for me. Yeah, as soon as we got to Bangkok, it was like, 
Wow. So funny because we watched so many TikTok videos and they said, whatever you do, when you go to Southeast Asia, don't go to Bangkok first. Just because it's so busy. So what do they do? <laughs> <laughs> we went to Bangkok first. <laughs> no, but we were obviously thinking it can be overwhelming and I can completely understand that. But I'm glad we've done it that way though. Yeah, I think for us it was like, we knew it was going to be crazy. And it, and it was crazy, like crossing the road was a was a gamble every time. Yeah. But it but was, I feel like you get a buzz off that. Mm. Like it is so dissimilar to what you used to. Yeah. That you just almost like a big kid. You're yeah. Trying to figure stuff it's also out. Again. Amusing, yeah. 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 But it's just sure. good fun. Um, how have you dealt with being in your twenties, or before you left, being in your twenties, and deciding to go travelling rather than keep working and saving the money? Obviously, that's the most obvious part, which is the experiences. But how did you really? get to like allow yourself to do it and think because even for me there's been times in the past where maybe I've wanted to travel for a couple of months and purely just having like the comfort and the security of a nine-to-five corporate job and the money coming in all the time has made me not do it yeah I feel like this is probably one thing that I struggle to get my head around the most I feel like being so career driven it's so difficult to step away from what you deem a success mm. But I feel like where we really analysed what we truly wanted, I think of I'd have eaten myself up if I didn't do this. Yeah. And it almost got to the point where it's like, what would I regret the least? Mm. And I feel like going travelling was just a it was a non-negotiable for me. Although yeah. I found it super difficult to actually quit, and I was pretty blase about that, wasn't I? I was quite flippant. I was like, I just handed my notice and I'm done with it. Yeah. Then when I actually came to do it, I think you start to again really analyse your career, what you've done over the last few months, how much money it's going to cost, what you're going to be missing out on. That was difficult, but again, I feel like it's one of those things that we've never done. It's uncomfortable. So that's really, I know it sounds cliche, but that's really the only way how you grow. Yeah. Because we could have stayed in the same job, same industry, the rest of our lives. Yeah. Earned good money. But you I have feel, your whole life to do that yeah, though. Yeah, 100%. And, and like your 20s is actually really a perfect time to be like exploring the world and becoming more worldly and becoming an adult. I feel like it gives if you If you can't more... make mistakes in your 20s, it's like, you when, know, can, when you? can you? And I think one thing for me, it's like people seem to forget that just because, you know, you're quitting your job and you're, you're not working, it doesn't mean you're not growing. It doesn't yeah. mean you're not, you know, benefiting yourself. You're not, you know enhancing your future because you're just growing in a different way yeah. and you're growing through new experiences new cultures you're learning so much about yourself on yeah. those travels people around you and it really puts in you know for us being from the uk it puts massively puts into perspective what other countries you know how they live and yeah. the way they're brought up and i think that's really important i for me it has been to just see how other people live and makes you realise that it's just not all about working. Yeah. It's not all about working and earning. And obviously they're important things. And yeah. Everybody's different. But I think going travelling, in it just enhances so much. And I feel like it gives you so much more depth as a person as well. Yeah. When you're having these conversations and you can say that you understand a different way of life and you've had different experiences. Yeah. When you get to 30, 35, 40, whatever it may be, you just have way more to talk about yeah. and a bit more of an understanding. I think from just speaking to you guys, like at home, like you're so tunnel, not you guys, but just in general, tunnel vision on like, you have the same people that maybe you've been friends with since school and then you work around fairly similar people, you're all in the same industry and you've all kind of had the same background-ish. 
and it's like you're never broadening your horizons with the people that you speak to and like just how diverse the world is and everyone's situation is so different and then like the inspiration that other people or places give you and all of a sudden something that you thought you were going to do for the rest of your life you might never go back to or you've then come up with something else that you want to work towards doing in five years time or whatever it may be it just really opens things up a lot more I think that's the biggest thing for me isn't it is actually understanding like when you take a complete step back from everything that you're used to, everything you've been doing, yeah. standard routine, it does actually make you realise things that you miss and things that you don't miss. Don't, yeah. And I feel like that is how you truly understand what you not necessarily your purpose, but what you yeah, what, what yeah. you want to do. And yeah. Things that actually mean a lot to you. Yeah. Like I was obviously super happy and it was almost a slightly liberating feeling to to quit my job. And I think naturally most people would have that because obviously it comes with a lot of stresses and other areas of bullshit that you don't necessarily want to deal with but it is kind of a sense of achievement that you've got yourself to a point in life where for how many months you don't have to work and you can enjoy something yeah i mean we you know you have your we have our whole lives to work yeah stepping away from work for eight months like it's literally the tiniest fraction it's the tiniest fraction and it was you know it's almost like a well-deserved well-deserved break yeah it'll be your retirement yeah, and then you retire at 24. <laughs> yeah. No, it's been, and you know, you meet so many different people, people from different walks of life, and you know, we've made friends for life on our on our travels, people that we never would have crossed paths with. Yeah, and I think that it adds richness, and it, you know, it's just. I just feel like if you can expose yourself to as many things in life as possible, you'll naturally get to a point where. Like you're just well versed on all yeah. things, and you and it really probably wouldn't have taken a huge amount of effort to get no. to that point because naturally it just you pick things it up just rather than like having to yeah focus for sure. On it. I think yeah, the other thing for me as well is like I said, like stepping away from it has made me realise the actual things that I do miss and the type of person I am. Like I don't ever think yeah. that I could do eight months again, for example. And we've spoken about this at length. Because I genuinely feel like... I could do eight months. You could do eight months. And I feel like we've got a nice balance. So I have big ambitions, lots of things I want to do. I'm not saying that you don't, but you are super content. Yeah, I am. And I'm free. You really yeah. are a living and out person, which I feel like kind of mellows me out. You balance each other. Yeah, yeah we do, massively. for sure. And I think I do... I could do eight months again, but eight months is a really long time. Yeah. Um, but going forward, I think four to six months if we ever did travel again it would be like a nice would be a nice length of time but I think it's you know after eight months you do start to miss routine like certain things that you have at home whether that's getting up for work going to the gym going for walks yeah because we are creatures of habit yeah, yeah. for sure and you it is hard to get a routine um when you're traveling because it's every day is different and yeah. so you can be in a a hostel that's a box room and you have no space to work out or do anything like that um so it's hard but i think it's it's, i don't know it's just it's been incredible just having that freedom to do whatever you want every day and your time is your own yeah it's nobody else's um then that's been i I feel like equally that's where it becomes super tiring and so many people we've spoken to just genuinely think we're Swanning around, sitting on the beach, like reading a couple of books, yeah. but it's actually not like that at all. Yeah. You're having to move on every two to three days. And it's funny because what again watching a TikTok video, it's like when you go travelling but you realise you actually have to travel. Yeah. And there's so much of it. Obviously we post all the good bits. We put some of the bad bits on our back yeah. backing page, but 
when you're on a sleeper bus for 12 hours and you get dropped off in the middle of nowhere at 4am, like that's difficult. Yeah. I feel like having to deal with that. You do have some moments where you think, why are we doing this? Is it worth it? <laughs> yeah. But it is. Like, it is for sure. Wouldn't change so anything. You, so you've dealt with how you're going to, how you're going to quit your job and like, you're like, okay, I'm going to do this and kind of planned where you're going to go. How did you plan how much money you would need? Oh. Which I think is the most asked question. It's like, yeah. how much do you need to go travelling? We have had it. We have had a lot of that, haven't we? Like we've yeah. been putting certain stories up on our Instagram, and then they'll people message us and say, "How much do you think we need to do X amount?" And I feel I don't know. It's, it's difficult. The truth it, is, is, we don't know. We yeah. don't know. Well, I mean, we can give a bit more context, but we budget. No, how did you budget? There's we no knew blanket we approach, to... is there? Well, no. I mean, I, I think there is for people. We knew when when we first set out to go travelling we had a budget that we wanted to stick to. Um, was it a budget that you set yourself because you were like, okay, this is how much I'm willing to spend on travelling and we need to make our travelling fit into that or did you look like this is what I want to do and this is how much I need to save up for it? No, we looked at it as in like, this is what we want to set aside for travelling and ideally we don't want to spend much more But naturally we did do a bit of research like what the accommodation is, how much food costs and general travel. But no, I don't think we necessarily... It wasn't a set budget that we were working towards after this and now we're going home. Yeah. But, I mean, we overspent massively pretty early doors. Well, I mean, and for some people, obviously, it does... We we're, were both in a fortunate position that if we did overdo that budget, we still had enough money behind yeah. us to keep going. And do you recommend that people do that, that they don't just take all of their savings for that and they still have a little bit to fall back on? A hundred percent, because at the end of it, you've got to come home. And, yeah. you know, if you're in the same position that me and George are in, You've not got a job when you get home, yeah. and you don't know how long you could be in a position job, you know, where you you where you want yeah. jobless. And, and you've not had to work, work during your travel. No, so. we haven't. But obviously, there's, there's so many different ways you can travel. So many people get to somewhere like Australia, and they'll get a working holiday visa, and say they'll travel for four or five months, work for a couple of months, and then continue so, their yeah, travels. Yeah. But for us, that we didn't want to do that. We wanted eight months of traveling, not working. But generally, I would say take more than you think you need. And we're not we're not talking massively. So we initially initially set ourselves. Ten thousand pound. Well, we had a pool of twenty thousand pound. Yeah, between you for eight months. For eight months, and I think we've probably done in total what? We're just probably over thirty thousand. Yeah, just over thirty thousand. But again, it's difficult because you might have a solo backpacker who is happy to stay in these eighteen man dorms. Yeah. Only does Southeast Asia. Doesn't do New Zealand or Australia yeah. or Japan. Or on their way back to Dubai. Or, or on their way, way back, back to Dubai. Yeah. Via Dubai. Don't, so don't go and watch the Grand Prix in Japan. Yeah, you exactly. Know. This has been a bit more of a just travelling. We haven't said no to any experience. We've not slummed it, so to speak, in accommodation. Like yeah. We've never stayed in huge dorms or anything. Our accommodation has always been quite nice. We've done a lot of homestays. We've eaten pretty much, you know, where we wanted to, when we wanted to. We had... Bali in the mix. They had, yeah, like a couple of holiday things within the with months. friends and family. So I think one thing I would always say to people is you can do it far for less. Yeah, you know, sure. We haven't really worried about money too much. Um, but you can definitely stick within budget yeah. and accommodation. I think, especially in Asia, you can probably set like £5 a night most of the time if you're willing to stay in dorms. Yeah. And that can considerably bring your cost down. down yeah. Eating as well. like I suppose it's what you want to get out of it though, isn't it? Like yeah. for us, we obviously a couple, we didn't want to go out on the raz and get smashed every yeah. day. 
Whereas some people just blow all their money on booze. And some yeah. people literally drink their way around Asia. Which yeah. is so easily done. Just, Obviously, yeah. part of it is that when you're in Berlin, have fun, meet yeah. people. But that's what I was going to say. The trap with Asia is that you get there and you're like, oh, everything's so cheap. Yeah. And then you end up spending double because you're like, oh, that's cheaper than yeah. that. And that's cheaper. Yeah. Then and it's actually not that cheap. Up. Yeah. No, and, it, and it isn't. No, it's not that cheap when you, when you keep adding those things yeah. up. So... But no, I think budget-wise, we had a budget in mind. I say budget. We had a goal in mind of what we wanted to spend. We have gone over that, but we could have been more careful at times. I also feel like you understand within yourself when you know you're spending too much. Yeah. Like if you're going out and getting two coffees a day, yeah. getting smoothies, then you know yeah. you're going to be spending more than what you yeah. probably should be, although it's only a pound here and there. It's just things. Do you really give yourself a daily budget or have you just... You put money into your joint account, you've been spending off that, and you've just been topping it up as you go along. And like you say, you know if you're doing anything a bit too extravagant. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, do, we top it up as we go. We've never had a daily budget. I mean, there have been times like when we, <laughs> I have a, I've had a couple of days where if we've been in like when we had a camper van in Australia, yeah. so we do shops um, so that we could cook and stuff in the van. Yeah. And I would some days be like, let's see how much we can spend today, like how little we can spend. Yeah. And I think we had a couple of days where we got to the end of the day and we were like, we've spent nothing, yeah. like this is a good day. But I also feel like sometimes your hands are tied when you're in a certain area, like you need to be doing these experiences. Yeah, yeah That's definitely. like in Laos, for example, it's like the cheapest place to go on a hot air balloon, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it's like $80, which is obviously... It's steep on a back But then for, for, for the grand scheme of doing a hot yeah. air balloon. Yeah. I would not, there's nothing, no experiences at all that I would have given up on like and said, no, we're not doing that because of the money. Or like scuba diving in Thailand, that sets back, what, 250 each? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But again, it's relevant to what it is. It's the cheapest place in the yeah. world to probably yeah. do it. And what an experience. And yeah. yeah it's, it's the experiences. I, I just think one, I would always say to people just like, watch how much you spend on food because in Asia you can easily spend too much because you just order more. You'll eat yeah. out for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Yeah. So just... You know, if you can be a bit strict with how many times you eat a day, definitely try to because that eats into your budget and accommodation is just, if you can go to the bare minimum, every little helps. And everything you save on food, accommodation, transport, like sleeper buses, they are a bit of an inconvenience, but if it's cheaper than getting a flight, just just do do it. it, Because all that money you save, you can spend on the experience. Yeah, you do kind of get a buzz off of the uh, the sleeper buses. Kind of part of the experience. You have to do it. Nobody does wear off pretty quickly, though. Especially if you're, well, not for me, not my height. I'm small enough. I can fit on all the beds, but you you struggle a few times. Yeah, it's a bit of a (laughs) problem. So once you've, like, decided on how much you're going to save up, are there any other things that you felt like you needed to tick off before you left, like, ready for travelling? Admin side of things, so, I mean... I'd say, firstly, sell everything you own. Yeah. Because you just won't need it. Like, lose the car. What else? Obviously, I had I had the flat to think about, so yeah. if you've got, like, any other Property assets or, anything, or yeah. liabilities that you've got against yeah. you, know, just try and figure it out as soon as possible. And then, but then it is. It really is just like admin. So it's like visas. Knowing for me, it was I wanted to know of all the places we were going where we could get visas in advance, where we would have to get them when we arrived. Yeah. Injections. Do you need any vaccinations oh, or anything? Yeah. Jabs was actually a killer. I think we had twelve, <laughs> no twelve or fifteen. 
And they're not all covered on the so, NHS. So you got I got about five covered by my GP, but he had to pay for all of them. My GP didn't cover any of them. But they are yeah. expensive. Like, do you get Japanese and 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 you should believe it. I'm not sure. It's like a hundred and ten pound jab, so that's two twenty. Rabies was free vaccine, so it was one hundred fifty. Like, so that's something yeah. to be aware of. Like, yeah. you're you're spending money before you've even got out of the country. So vaccines, they were expensive, and something you have to, you know, everywhere, especially in Asia, there's different recommendations. So speak to your GP, finding out what's best. And I guess good. even enough time before you yeah, travel. Definitely, you yeah. want to try and do them like I'd say two to three months, get the ball rolling, so yeah. that you know you've got them and they've like got into your system. But generally speaking, the GPs are pretty well versed on what vaccines yeah, they you should and shouldn't get. Yeah. And you can find that on like the government website. You can find it on the That's a bit of a minefield though. Oh really? Yeah, you're best just to go to the GP yeah. and say, what do we need? These are the places yeah. we're going and they'll just come up with a list. And for way. anybody like, yeah, for anybody listening in the UK and at home, super drug. Fantastic. Yeah, they, oh, really? yeah, they did yeah. all our vaccines. Well, I actually had a couple really of sketchy experiences though with the jabs, didn't I? Where I just felt super faint. Oh, okay, Not scared yeah. of needles, don't yeah. want anything like that. But I don't, oh, yeah, I don't know what it was. You had one, didn't you? And his, his lips were like. My lips went blue, and the lady had to lay me down on the floor and put my legs in the air. <laughs> I was like, she, I was laughing, and I think she thought I was so horrible. But I was just like, he's never reacted like this before. But um, another thing is, if you're traveling insurance, making oh, sure you're yeah. covered. Touch wood, we're a week away from home. We haven't needed it, hopefully we won't. If you don't have it, you'll need it. Exactly. And we left ours last minute and we ended up spending ridiculous amounts. Whereas if you know when you're going and you can get that insurance sorted like a good few months in advance, you will pay considerably less. Yeah. So I think... So they pair it to regions, don't they? It's basically like what you can get world cover, but it doesn't... Is it backpackers insurance? Yeah, you do get like um, long-term backpackers insurance. And as long as you're not going to like... I think it's like Africa and the Caribbean or America and the Caribbean. Yeah, because yeah. they're usually separate. Since you start going it's worldwide except yeah. Yeah. yeah, sorry, yeah. So that's another thing to think about is um just getting that done as soon as you can. Visas, just look at all your visas across the board. And it, sometimes it's not just visas, some countries request that you fill in like a form before entry yeah. and it's just I'm guessing that they have a record of who yeah. you are. Um, visas are really tricky though because some countries was just visa on arrival, absolutely fine. You yeah. pay like twenty dollars as you rock up. Some are online, and you've also got these loads of like third party companies that just just always do it through their government website. Yeah, is what I'd always recommend. And yeah, like gov.uk, yeah. and then it will send you follow the link it will from send there. You to their yeah, yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, all the scams. Yeah, exactly. But one thing I would say, and this is such a backpacker thing to say, is. If you can get them on arrival, do it. Because yeah. you get a really nice stamp in your passport. That's a fantastic <laughs> collection at the end of your trip. So if you can do them, it's never been bad when we've done a visa on arrival. No, like generally, it's we fine. only had one time, which was in Indonesia, but I think oh. we were just freaking yourself out. Arriving in Bali when we met you was just like the worst queue, and I'd got one yes. an e visa, and still that queue was horrendous. We, I we just heard so many stories. Head, I know, that if you had a bit of a like. Uh, crease in your page or one of my passport oh. pages is uh, stapled together someone at Cam- in the Cambodia visa office did it and I was literally panicking I was like I'm not going to get let in I'm not going to get let in but it was fine you walked up to passport control and the cable was like shaking <laughs> my Fitbit's like her heart rate's 200 <laughs> but it was fine it's fine it, yeah. is, it is yeah but definitely obviously 
keep your passport safe whilst you're traveling that's another just a good thing to just keep in mind yeah and make sure you pack some form of like waterproof case yeah with your passports inside because we got caught in the rain and we just had our passports in our bag. Luckily enough, they didn't get wet, but we were super supposed to. You do have to be careful. Oh. Yeah, that's a good thing. No, other than that, I think. Because that's how you get in high. Yeah, you genuinely need your passports. But no, I don't think, other than that, what else did we check off? I don't I think, think that's pretty so. much it. A lot yeah. of the things, you'll, you'll watch videos, you read stuff online, and you'll yeah. pick it up as you go along. Yeah, but they're the main things, I think. So you've quit your job, saved the money out, or probably the other way around's best. You've saved yeah. the money out, <laughs> quit your job, had all your jobs done, your admin and stuff. How are you going to pack everything into a backpack? So we so for have, eight months. We have a. This is where there's a slight conflict. Not I'll conflict. Let you go first. We we do it differently. So we both got. We went, we got our rucksacks. You basically went into the North Face, got yours. I do think that's actually quite an important point, though. Because when well, that's you that's actually admin really before is getting yeah, your rucksack. Yeah, your true. rucksack is actually really important. Not necessarily because you're always carrying it on your back, but I think more so the times that you are, you just want it to be comfortable, reliable. And I may, I, I mean, perhaps not you. You've not suffered as much, but I, when we got our rucksacks, so mine's you've got a North Face one. Is it seventy liters? Yeah, I think it's seventy liters. I think mine's sixty-five rucksacks are in liters, so yeah. that's how much they carry. Um, 65 for me was pretty much big enough because you've got to think, okay, like once that rucksack's filled, I've actually got to carry oh, yeah. it. So you, you know, for me, I, I didn't, I couldn't have much bigger than yeah. that. Um, but I, the one I got had more space, but it didn't have the waist straps. And uh, that has no support. It, yeah. it bears a lot of the weight. So is that because yours is cheaper that you didn't get more belts no, and no, missiles? No, no. So it's just the style of it. Still expensive. My, is it Osprey? Osprey. Osprey, yeah. Yeah. Say it. Osprey um, the go. Like they're the go-to yeah. backpackers. You, that's what you see. Yeah. Basically. And mine's it's like leather, so it's a uh, waterproof. Yeah. Like, without having to, so you know, I've never had to worry about that. But it just didn't have the waist straps. And at the time when I tried it at home, I was like, oh, it's not a big deal. But obviously you've actually not filled it yet. You yeah, you haven't used be. it. Yeah. It's because you wanted it to open like a suitcase. Oh, so as yeah, opposed to yeah. a traditional backpack where okay. you can sit at the top, yeah. it kind of opened as if it was a suitcase. And so I would yeah. recommend that. Yeah, I would want that as well. If you can get a... Are they, I would say... But you want to dig to the bottom. Yeah, yeah exactly. They're the two things... Well, I've, I've actually got three things. The first one is waist straps. Like, they do help so much. Yeah. And even if you're only carrying it for short periods of time... 10 15 minutes in like heat can feel like a lifetime, but that's the max that we've done. I don't think we carried it on our backs for more than 20 minutes. No, we ever. didn't. It, no, we didn't, but it, it does weigh, it does weigh a lot. Like you're carrying like almost 20 kilos, yeah. And it's just but it part of me feels like that's part of it. You need that bit of grip, yeah. Otherwise, yeah, no, of course. But waist straps help. <laughs> I thought that people had backpacks for traveling, so they didn't have to check their luggage. You no, but no. you still have to check your luggage. You yeah. Yeah. It's just the convenience outside. of moving around, isn't yeah, it? Exactly, yeah. yeah, You don't want a suitcase in Southeast Asia. No, I mean, that would be me. That's why I need a cargo backpack. No, <laughs> I need a backpack on the front and one on the back. Yeah. <laughs> but no, the three things for me is like I haven't got waist straps, so going forward, I would definitely have waist straps. I'm yeah. that. Opening as a suitcase, it does make life so much easier because. Like you say, you're not having to dig to the bottom when you want something. Yeah. And even yours opens pretty much like a suit, suitcase. And then the last thing for me, and George does agree on this, but it worked amazingly for me, is packing cubes. Yeah. And they have been... It's a load of shit. They have been <laughs> a game changer. Um, 
And maybe it's just like maybe it's just a girl thing, but being able to separate like if you've got skirts and dresses, yeah, and then you can separate shorts and trousers, like tops and bikinis, like things like that, and just like, easy access. Yeah, and I can pull a cube out, and I'm like, I know what's in there. Yeah, I have one for my gym stuff, one for bikinis, one for my clothes, and then my toiletries. Yeah, and for me, I'm not saying that it, you know, obviously everything's different, but for me that has worked like so well. Yeah, and. I kind of look at my rucksack and think, I don't actually know how I'd fit all of that in if I didn't actually have yeah. the cubes. And I mean, there have been times where George is like, is a free for all, and whenever you needed something at the bottom, you just like end up pulling everything just, out. Like pulling everything out, and I look and I'm like, nah, that's it. My approach is travel light, travel far, roll and pack, done. <laughs> and wear multifunctional stuff as well. Yeah, George like has literally worn the same shorts, well, not literally the same, but the same type of shorts, the same type of top. For eight months. <laughs> he wears them inside out, back to front. <laughs> yeah, but the logic behind that is, I know no matter what I wear, if all I wear is black, then it's all going to go. Okay, yeah. but why did you not think that in the outset when you packed all with loads of different coloured shirts, different trousers? Lots of linens. <laughs> I got trapped, didn't I? I got sucked in. No, yeah. I got sucked yeah. into the barley. So I do you reckon that you could actually pack a lot less now that you've travelled once? You yeah. could, George could pack so light. He could pack, with, you could travel with a carry-on. I genuinely reckon I could do... Two pairs of shorts, one pair of trousers. Maybe three, maybe pairs, three. three <laughs> pairs of shorts, a few t-shirts, and then maybe like a jumper. Yeah. yeah I genuinely reckon that's all right. The pants is a bit, of a bit of an annoying one, isn't it? I mean, yeah, you need underwear. You do need underwear. But for me, I think there's definitely things I probably could have got rid of, but the other thing as well is like you accumulate shit over eight months. You know, you do buy things. That's another big thing. And I would say to people is like, Start with little because you can buy as you go. Right, you yeah. To, and maybe set some money aside at the beginning and say, like, I'm going to give myself £200 to spend on some new bits of clothing. Well, you guys got some really nice stuff made, didn't you? Yeah, so Vietnam, yeah. obviously, the big thing there is tailor, oh, yeah. getting things tailored. So, you know, put some money aside for that. And so, you know, maybe you don't need to actually go with a full rucksack and just buy some bits as you go, which is quite a nice idea. But the other thing as well is every single hostel or area you go to will have so many laundrettes it's a joke yeah which we you didn't just, really understand did we but obviously it's such a big thing so well, we yeah, probably you've got do, so little with you yeah. yeah exactly but we were doing what probably one wash every couple of weeks one to two weeks yeah we haven't and they turn it around within a day it's super cheap all of George's black stuff's now purple <laughs> <laughs> yeah literally <laughs> I can't even deny that because it's true but you as well and you wear and tear so some things you end up having to get rid of along the way um but no, packing, it's like, I, but yeah, they were my three, and then George has done his a completely different way by just bunging everything in. But it's worked for no, both I have, of us. No, I have my own, my own order and my own approach, which works for me. Yeah, exactly. So that you can... I'll tell you what you don't need. You don't need a travel iron, and you don't need a hairdryer. That's so, what I was going to ask. What What's something that you wish you'd bought, and maybe a couple of things that you definitely don't need to bring with you? We've yeah. actually had quite a few interesting conversations with other backpackers as well, haven't we? <laughs> we met someone who bought... Uh, a sleeping bag, <laughs> which is just outrageous. And if he's but it depends on like, who he is. Yeah. <laughs> it depends, I guess, what sort of conditions you're staying in. Like, if you have got that five pound, it does. It totally does. And I mean, I think he might be putting it to use now. He's in New Zealand, and they're in a camper van, so it might now be being used. The yeah. other, the other good one was a mosquito net. I but I'm not a backpacker. I had the space for it, but honestly, I slept really good in Bali with that. <laughs> no, I think. 
they're not sh- they're not that's not a bad idea if it's like compactable and mine would have needed to be a lot more compact yeah but you can literally buy the net ones if you if you can hang up somewhere yeah, but having, yeah. the, having the structure around putting up a mosquito on there is just near on impossible hey, it's, it's, it's not right. something we've done but something you do the the, the travel iron travel iron <laughs> we got used once it's like an old travel iron it's that the Taylor's family has been passed down the generations. I was explicitly told not to throw it away, although I wanted to throw it away several times. I wouldn't let it throw it away. <laughs> and now it's sat at one of our friends' house. And you bought a hairdryer? I bought a hairdryer. I didn't, I didn't bring a hairdryer. George bought the hairdryer. <laughs> I haven't used it once. You have? Yeah, I've used, used it a couple of times. But whilst we've been travelling like in Asia, in Oz, we didn't use it. Like we literally didn't use yeah. it. I mean, I've got pretty long hair, but you leave the house and your hair dries so quickly. Yeah. It's just not something you really worry about. Something I wish I had brought, and I I wish I had brought it, but it is a bit of an inconvenience. I mentioned this yesterday was my Polaroid camera. It would have been nice to have had that yeah. to capture moments along the way, but obviously some of them are bulky. You have to have the film. You have to keep the, the ones you have like tape safe. But that would have been nice. Um, and then I don't think, uh, another thing perhaps is it good to have maybe a laptop. If you have something like a small, not small, but just a laptop that you can keep in your hand luggage because we've had to do so much planning on our phones. Yeah. And sometimes that can be a little bit, do you know, I, it's just a little bit painful sitting on your phone doing things. I wouldn't say it's a necessity. It's, it's definitely not a necessity. Nice yeah. And even if maybe you want to get your watch a film somewhere. Yeah. That's quite nice. There is yeah. a, it, there, it is a, I think they are quite handy to have, but yeah. again, like you said, they, they aren't a necessity. But I, can't, I don't, I don't think there's anything else I can. No, think of. I do think just travel light, travel far, yeah. because if there's something you want, you would so easily be able you to buy it. Buy it, yeah, for sure. How much can you actually wing it, like booking as you go along? Obviously, you booked your initial flight out to Australia, but then how much did you book in advance from there? You had a rough plan of okay, we'll be here for this amount of time, but how? I feel like our opinions are slightly split, aren't they? Yeah, they are, but not not massive, not massively, because we we did what worked for us. But we had the first two weeks booked because we we obviously, like you say, we booked the flight. We had our first like three or four nights accommodation in Perth, and then we had a camp van for the other nights. So we had two weeks sorted. Um, well, I mean, we had the van, we hadn't booked campsites, so. You can wing it. You absolutely can, especially in Asia. Yeah, I mean, you do meet so many people who you're speaking to. They're jumping on a bus somewhere. Like, yeah, I don't have anywhere booked for tonight. I'm just going to like check online and book something. Yeah. You run the risk of perhaps not finding, you know, if you're in Asia, not being able to get in the, you know, the best hostel. But I feel like that's, if you're a solo backpacker, naturally it's easier because obviously you just need a bed within... Say, like, I was I was going to say that it might be easy for you to say that because you're a man. How have you felt travelling? Obviously, you've been as a couple, but would you be able to travel Southeast Asia by yourself as a woman and maybe wing it as you go along? I or think you feel more on Asia's it? really good because well, obviously we have travelled so differently. Anybody in a couple will know that you do travel slightly differently to how um, individual backpackers do. A lot of the hostels in Asia are good. They have women-only dorms and yeah. things like that. So um you you do have that option obviously when you're on your own as george says finding a dorm on the night will be far easier than if there's two of you trying to find somewhere but you can wing it you you can book very last minute you definitely don't need you can get up and go wherever you want and you will be able to sort transport and you will be able to sort accommodation 
I think a big thing for us was like we wanted to book in advance so that we just didn't have to worry about it. Yeah. So by having two or three weeks accommodation and our plan booked and our transport, it just meant that we could enjoy a couple of weeks with no planning. Then we do another admin day and plan yeah. the next couple of weeks and then with so on, so on. Which is what you've continued to do, isn't it? Yes. Really? That's yeah. loosely been our rule of thumb all the yeah. way throughout. Like two, three weeks in advance. And then we can just crack on and enjoy it, not really yeah. like that. More focus on like the day to day stuff. Than yeah, the that's the thing because you're in it, you're traveling what you planned two weeks before that. Yeah, so exactly. it's just like you need to enjoy every part of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There have been times like there's been a couple of locations where we've been somewhere and we thought, oh, wouldn't it have been nice if we could have just stayed another day? Yeah. Like, and we had that in when we were in Kotal, yeah. Thailand. Giddy tea. Yeah, like there were places where we thought actually another day or a couple of days would have been nice. So when you do plan in advance it can be you know it's harder to do that because you risk losing money and any backpacker knows that's just but again i think that's difficult because there's so much that we've done in a short period of time that the longer you spend somewhere there's has to be an element of compromise yeah yeah of course you can't just spend a week somewhere because it's nice my dad always says all good things come to an end so yeah (laughs) then you're on to the next one and it has to go to calm so no i think the way we've done it is it's worked for us, but for other people, if that you know, some people don't like being that organised. Yeah. Some people want to get up and just see where the world takes them. Well, I think the other thing, and they well, can do that. A lot of solo backpackers we've met have attached on to other groups of backpackers, so then naturally their plans will completely change. Yeah. Okay. So you so need to run on the way. Yeah. 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 And you might think, oh, in my head, right. I'm going to be here tomorrow and here the next day, and then you'll go out that night and you'll meet a group of people, and they're going somewhere else, and you think. Sod it, I'm, ju- I'm going to join them. And, yeah. and it's actually insane how common that is. Yeah. Or you'll meet a bunch of people and they'll be like a group of, let's say, eight. And they're like, we met on the first week of travelling and we spent the last four months together. Yeah. So I feel like if you were to have everything lined up and planned. Then you wouldn't be able to do that. Your hand yeah. would be full, so yeah. you wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. We've actually met way more solo female backpackers. Yeah. Oh, really? Now. Like, yeah. way more. Yeah, yeah. Which is amazing. And yeah. Because I, I always think like, I, mate, I like to think I'd travel if I had been on my own, but doing it as a couple for me has been like it's so much easier. Yeah. I can't imagine doing it on my own. So I just think for any female travellers and male travellers out there who want to do it on their own, there are so many like minded people yeah. doing it. You will never feel isolated. You will always make friends. Sounds yeah. so cliche, but you will just meet. You will. Everyone's people. in the same boat, aren't they? Yeah. Like, yeah. All, and you've got to think of it like I saw some, somebody said, like, you've kind of got to treat it like you were back in like infant school when you just go over to someone. Exactly. Like, Hi, my name's Michaela. What's your name? And then that's it. That's like, kind of even the same as when we moved here. Like, all of a sudden you're an adult and adults find it a lot harder to make friends and like you say like when you go to school you're forced to make friends so you have to put yourself out there yeah, and sure. like just forget about the ego side of things yeah and, like, and not you, I think when pride. you're an adult you just think oh but what are they like or what yeah. if they don't want to be my friend or they've already got their own group but, but it doesn't it's just not like that's the thing about traveling is just naturally a lot of people's egos and that sort of thing just completely drops away, doesn't it? Yeah, massively. Like people are so friendly. You're just all there for the same thing. Yeah. And I think that's what we've met the same so many job, people. You've done the same things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are the hostels and homestays like? I'd say generally pretty tip-top. Southeast Asia is known to have some very good hostels and very bad hostels. Yeah. But what you get value for money, you can get some really good stuff, can't you? Yeah, hostels... They say hostels in Southeast Asia are better than they actually are in like 
basic local Australia and New Zealand. Okay. So, so competitive. Maybe because so many people use them as well. Yeah. yeah. I'd definitely say hostels, we haven't, we've stayed in a lot of homestays, purely because when you're a couple, because you're splitting things down the middle, it actually works out as cheap sometimes, doesn't it, to stay somewhere private? I feel like, you know, I guess it's difficult, it depends which part you're going to, but a lot of the time the infrastructure on that island or place will just let everything down, so you could pay 30 quid a night and it would be just as bad as something that is £5 a night. Yeah. If the infrastructure and the electricity isn't there, for example, then... I would just always say, like, for us, yeah. as long as you've got the bare minimum, it's, it's really, you know, it's clean enough, you have, you know, you've got a bathroom, you've got enough space, you've got a bed to sleep in. You don't need anything glamorous, and we've not had any bad experiences. We haven't stayed in any big dorms, yeah. um, and obviously they can be different. You know, some people pay a pound a night for accommodation. You've just got to be realistic. If you're paying a pound a night for accommodation, what are you going to expect? What, yeah. what do you expect? Yeah. So, but again, it kind of goes back to us saying, save the money on accommodation and spend it on experiences. But we've had some beautiful homestays, especially in Asia. Yeah. Um, and obviously in, on, in Australia, we had the camp van for a while, yeah. and that was a different way of travelling, yeah. and that was, we loved that. But yeah, homestays and hostels across the board, we've had really, yeah, yeah. really good experiences. Um, how do you navigate travelling as a couple? So how long have you been together before you went travelling? Six years, was it? So we've been together six years prior to travelling, and it's now coming up to our seventh year. Yeah. How have you navigated it? Obviously... It's impossible to agree on everything, even yeah. in day-to-day life, and you're in, in each other's pockets then. Like, before when you was at home, you lived together for a bit, but then, George, you got your flat, and then you're both at work all the time. Yeah, you're not together 24-7. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, not only are you together all the time, but you've left everyone else behind. Yeah. And you're both like, it's all very new, and... I love you more you than I ever have. <laughs> Oh, I wish I could say this. <laughs> no, we that's been completely fine. I think generally we're both pretty chill out people. You do just need to be a more, bit more patient. I'm naturally impatient. You're a bit indecisive. That can cause a bit of issue sometimes. My, my one, yeah, I would. The one, if I could take anything from this, as for couples, it's just be patient with each other. Yeah. And and I mean that for different reasons, but you, also putting in with like the fam, missing family as well. That's it. You're like you are. You know, obviously you've, been, you've only got each other, but you you have only got each yeah. other, and some days one of you might be struggling, and you might be having a bit of a low day. You might yeah. miss home. You might just not be feeling it, and you've just got to give each other that space, that respect, and just think, you know, give and them if a bit you're both of time. Down, then you're shit fucked. <laughs> <laughs> but when you have when you have days where you're both on highs, you don't get much better than that. No, you yeah, each other, we've yeah. we've fed absolutely fine. Like we what we're nearly we are literally. Almost, we're three days away from being eight months in, and we're both still living yeah. and breathing. So and I think, like, how amazing that you have those memories together, and yeah. like in yeah, the future, sure. you can like tell your grandkids that like, we it. done this, and like pictures of you, and yeah, you know I think that's such a nice thing to be able to say. And I and I always because my mum and dad did something similar when they were when they were younger, and they had those memories, their lives together. Yeah. And I think it will be so nice that we're going to have these parts for the rest of our lives, and we've had so many of these experiences together. Yeah, um, I'd say the biggest arguments have come from directional issues <laughs> me driving the head yeah every day we had an episode of mixed maps which is basically her leading me astray into completely wrong direction i'd say i've i've done a pretty good job but if there's any comfort in it everyone we've spoken to and every couple we've spoken to is yeah directions can be a, can be a good uh, good argument argument but other yeah. than that i would just say be patient with each other and just yeah. remember that you're in it together yeah 
So you both have a quick answer. The best thing that you have experienced and the worst thing you've experienced traveling, each of you. I'll go first. Best thing, Grand Prix Japan. Worst thing was a place in Laos called the NTN. It's just a big Asian city and there's nothing to do there. My best thing is probably learning to scuba dive and scuba diving on the Great Barrier Reef. That was just the most, for me, the most incredible experience. And then worst thing probably um, our first our first night accommodation when we got the the camper van back in Perth. That was pretty rough, actually. Yeah, that was a moment. That's a bad story. (laughs) Well, I've got here any funny stories or horror stories. All right, we'll jump straight into it. So day one, picked up the camper van. Is this day one of your travels? No, 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 no. This was day one of camper vans. We were five days in. Five days in. Just spent the last five days in Perth. Picked up the camper van in Perth. We've got the next two weeks to travel around southwest of Australia. It's meant to be very scenic, beautiful, all kinds of stuff. And we needed to get up to our first point, which was Margaret River, but it was a four-hour drive from Perth. Four hours now is absolutely nothing when we've been travelling for this long, but at the time, four hours felt like quite a long car. Yeah. But you think you're along the coast of Australia, so everything's just going to be beautiful. Yeah. We were pretty wrong. So we... <laughs> this goes back to booking things in advance. We thought with, with the camp van, we could just book campsites literally on the day. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily work like that in Australia because camp vanning and that kind of thing. It's, it's a lot huge. more popular. It's yeah. so popular. So nice campsites to get booked up. So Only we, a few days in advance. But anyway, so we picked up the camper van, set off. We were about two hours in, and then we thought we'd pitch up here. We found the closest town. So we started calling around. We finally found this one campsite. So we called up, yeah, availability, sweet. So we drove there. The sun is starting to set now, so it's probably like 6 p.m. We got there, yeah. and it was just the roughest thing we've ever seen. It was full of... Like permanent residents, so yeah. like a real community of people. You just felt like you stuck it out. It wasn't like touristy, no. It wasn't for tourists. We were just these two Brits in a camper van, this huge camper van. Big Mercedes Sprinter. This <laughs> like, probably worth hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. And you've got these permanent residents pitching up in caravans. And everybody just kind of kept coming out of their like. It just felt a bit. It just felt like you were being hit yeah, a lot. Yeah. yeah. So George did one loop around the, the site, got to the exit, and was like, "We aren't staying here." I said, "We either stay here and end up with no wheels, or we just move on." So anyway, we've done a lap. We started driving out. At this point, Michaela started breaking down. This is our first night in our glorious camper van. It was meant to be the best thing ever. I was like, we're a statistic. We're going to pitch up on the highway. We're going to be murdered. We're never going to live to see another day. <laughs> so then, as all of this is happening. We pitch up on the side of the road. We see two people stumbling towards us. So then they're coming towards us. I'm thinking they're oh, like off their head on drugs. They're absolutely battered. And this woman comes up to the door. She lifts up her top and smashes her tits on the sides of the window. <laughs> no, and then the best thing was in the mirror of the van. She walked into that campsite. Oh So then God. that was the ice on the cake. We you were like, okay, I made, like, I made the right decision. It was Absolutely. But then that made Michaela even worse, and it even made me a little bit on edge, thinking, where are we? So we ended up pitching up on one of their rest points, which is quite common, it turns out, because so many yeah. people do it. But we got there in the dark, we didn't have power, there was no toilet, and we just had to spend the night on the side of a highway. And it was it was an experience, but then you woke up in the morning, and there were cameramen everywhere. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, like this is actually fine. Yeah. And we live to we're gonna the be, We're going to be fine. <laughs> Um, 
Then just to finish off, what words of wisdom do you have for people that are toying with the idea of traveling or have already got traveling booked, aside from anything that you've already mentioned, like the tips and stuff? Um, and are there any resources that you think would be good for people to look at? TikTok's the go. Yeah, definitely. TikTok is so useful. TikTok has literally been, like for me, you don't need to obviously go with an idea of things you want to do, places you want to see, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you, you can wake up in places, look on TikTok, and you can pull a plan together in like 10 minutes. Yeah. There's so much out there. Um, and another one for me, you didn't kind of use so much blogs. Okay. If you like search certain things into Google and someone will have done a blog on it. And we've, I've found a few like hidden gems through blogs that yeah. aren't actually always on TikTok. It's not as easy to digest though, is it? Having to read all the way through a blog or look at no, it. It's a lot more time consuming that we're not used to these days. Like we want things on demand so quickly yeah, without exactly. having to do much for it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But the thing with TikTok is sometimes nothing on there is off, like it's off the beaten track. Yeah. Whereas people that have dedicated blogs to certain areas, you'll find some things that perhaps you wouldn't have. Yeah, you're better at that. And I'm quite happy to put, you know, when you're traveling for that long, you have time to spare. Yeah. So blogs, I think, as well. Um, the other thing I'd say is don't necessarily listen to other people's opinions on certain places. Yeah. We yeah, heard we so many bad things about this, Cambodia. Yeah. We'd already booked. We booked two weeks there. Sixteen days. And we were pretty much like at the point where we were like, we're actually not going to go because we've heard people say it's quite dangerous. They've had bad experiences, and in the end, you were like, no, we've booked this, and we were like, we've just got to go for ourselves. Yeah. And it actually ended up being one of our favourite places. Yeah, it's one of our favourite spots. It's like a real hidden Cambodia and Laos are like the hidden gems of that part yeah. of Asia because you have Thailand and Vietnam. So I would definitely say to people. Don't miss out on Laos, don't miss out on Cambodia. Do the places that are, you know, even more off the beaten track yeah. because that's where you get some real... That's where I think you get the most out of it, isn't it? Yeah. And then just generally speaking, like, just go for it. If, it, if you're thinking about doing it, if you want to do it, you're only going to regret it one day if you don't. Yeah. There's nothing to it but to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and just and like your tattoo, if not now, when? when? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if not now, when? And, uh, you know, for me, when we first got to Perth, those first 48 hours, I was an emotional wreck, wasn't I? You, George was up at like five in the morning ready to go because of the time difference. And I was just like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm on the other side of the world. Yeah. And it's like within like 48 hours, it was like my brain just Switched. snapped. It yeah. was like, you've got to do this now. Because yeah. now you're counting down to going home. Yeah. Um, so just, and at the end of the day, if you don't like it, you, you can, can just go, go home. home. And yeah. think you should push yourself though. Don't give up at the first. Yeah, time. you need to go out of your yeah. comfort zone. Yeah, you really need to push yourself. But Definitely. I mean, maybe not necessarily the eight months because that's pretty long still. No, but, but even if you know, even if for people you can do a couple of months. Yeah, that's that's better than nothing. Yeah. and you're you're trying. And yeah, I just think just just do it. Because yeah. You, you rarely speak to somebody that's been traveling that regrets it, right? Yeah, 100%. so you just you regret the things you don't do. Yeah. And if you want a bit of inspiration, then you can follow George and Mick's backpacking page called Project Underscore Backpacks. I'll share it on our um, Instagram as well. And I'm sure they won't mind if you message them. No. Ask any questions. Fire any questions away. I've got a good list in my notes and all the things. Michaela is head of itinerary planner, so I'll leave that to her. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Knock yourself out. Look at all the different places they've been to. Amazing photography from George. Amazing modelling from Michaela. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's been uh, quite uh, quite the experience. Being your only 
views. <laughs> Thanks no for talking about your experience and giving your tips and stuff. It's been enjoyable. No, thank you for having us. Yeah, it's been thank you. fun to reflect and talk about it, actually. It's not something we've done, so... No. Yeah, it's decompress. Great. Yeah. <laughs> we've got a week left and now we'll just... Soul can be visible. <laughs> no, thank you for having us. Yeah, no thank problem. You. Thanks for listening, everyone, and I hope you haven't been disturbed by the background noise too.